you want to know the real reason why we're here today? It's, it's not because we... Uh, it's not because we, we have all this uh, ingenuity. Thank you. It's not because we're super, super, super clever. It, it's not because we just happen to work harder than any other church or any other place or any other group of people. It's not because of those, those things. It's a tiny, small, little, tiny, little 1%, half a percent portion, maybe if at all. Do you, do you know why that we're here today? Because God moved. God moved. Do you believe that? It, God moved. He really did. This, this whole thing, this whole entire deal, K2, is God's idea. This movement that you're a part of, that you're showing up here for on Sunday morning, that's happening now in two places, is God's doing because he wanted something here specific, right here in this location on 21st South. And I believe that with every fiber of my being. Do you? I do. And here's the reality is that for this space and time, like we totally celebrate this, but the reality is this, that, is that we're looking forward down the road to you because, because God is not done doing what he's going to do with K2. And I sort of get the sense that, I don't, I don't know about you, but I get the sense that, that there's a lot more that God wants to accomplish through K2. Proof of that is last week, hundreds of you, hundreds of you streamed down these rows and stood up here and publicly declared, here am I, God, send me. Here am I, God, whatever you want to do, what, what, whatever it is that you want to accomplish, I'm available. You said that last week. And if you are part of those people, that's why I cannot believe that God is just good. Oh, whew. took everything in the universe to get the white warehouse done, and now we're just going to sit back. I can't believe that. I can't believe that for one moment that that's his plan. I believe the case is that he's got way more to do. And so if we're telling God, here am I, God, send me, if that's what we are saying to God, and we did last week, then his people, his body, right here, that we've got to position ourselves to look ahead and anticipate that God has great plans. And I believe that he does. Great plans that he wants to accomplish through you, in your life, and right here on 21st South. And so today we're starting a brand new series for the next six weeks entitled, Get Ready for God to Move, because he is. He's not done writing the chapters of our story. He's got way more, and we get to share in those chapters together. So what does it mean to get ready for God to move? How can you and I take what we did last week, here am I, God, send me, and get ready to anticipate what God is going to do? And so uh, a couple weeks ago, we prowled the parking lot with a camera. Many of you know that we do that, and you run. And that, 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 that uh, I just have to rebuke you on that. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, but we grabbed the camera, and we went out in the parking lot, and we asked you this question. We said, uh, what would you like to see God do this coming year? What do you want to see him do? And here's your response. Check it out. like God to show me how to love people more. Help me live more in his, his ways. I'd like to see some optimism change the hearts of people. Open people's eyes. That's what I wish he would do is, is open people's eyes. I really want is God to reveal himself there tangibly and for all of us to sort of really sense that. Bring a little bit more joy into the world. Change the 
just the, the, the general turmoil of the world that, that is, is so present. If anything, I would just like to see hope restored. Feed the homeless, or feed, feed the, take care of the world uh, starvation problem. Give us more of a global outlook. Open up people's hearts to uh, the love that he has for them. Reach people who kind of fall through the cracks. See God continue to work in Salt Lake and uh, continue to grow the Christian faith here. I would like to see God move in the hearts of all the people in this valley so that they'll turn towards him no matter what faith they are right now. I would love to see God just move in the south area when we open the south campus. Make the community more one. I'd like to see him affect the youth of Salt Lake City dramatically and to stop all this pain that's going on around and around. Energize me and the Christian community. Um, I just want to see some passion in the community and in my own life. I think that's what I'd like to see. Personally, I'd like to see God just kind of uh, show me a little bit better direction, direction he wants me to go in, in serving him. I'd like to see him change my heart to be more inspired to give my time. Probably transform me into a more compassionate person. Just drawing closer to him and having him permeate every aspect of my life. To make me stronger in my faith to give me that guidance to study and see his word and his love letters. Love him to heal our body and just make us move so forward to impact everybody we touch. Every single person that walks through these doors, I just wish that they could see Jesus in us and just empower him. In my life this year, I'd like to see God work in ways he never has before. I've never fully thrown my life into his hands and so today actually I've been provided that opportunity so I'm gonna attempt to do that and I think that God will manifest himself abundantly. It's just a matter of faith and trust now, because I know he's real. So how about you? I want to throw the question at you this morning before we get rip-roaring off here, and that is, what, what do you want to see God do this next year? If you could dream, seriously, if you had a blank check and you had the ability to write down anything, what would you want to see God do t this year? What would you want to see him do uh, in your workplace, in the QB next to you? What would you like to see God do in your marriage? What would you like to see God do here in the valley, in, in Salt Lake City, Utah, through, through K2, through, through your sphere of influence, in your neighborhood, on, on, on the Capitol Hill up here, to, to the bench, all the way to the west? Where would you see God moving? What would that look like? And here's what I want to do. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Turn to somebody next to you, somebody that you know, maybe somebody you trust. I want you to fill this in. I want you to say, I want to see God what? Just say it really quick. You turn. Turn to the person. Knee-jerk reaction. What do you want to see God do? Say it. I want to see God. So here's the, here's the only lame thing about this exercise. I don't get to hear any of it. I so wish that we had time to pass this mic around and hear what you said. That there was some way that you and I could capture this. Because I think it would be so incredibly, incredibly inspiring to read through all the things that God is laying on your heart. 
And generally, the knee-jerk reaction, what is it you want to see God do? What in mean, the chapters? I can't imagine in your, in your neighborhoods and, and with the relationships that you have and with your kids and, 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 and even things that we don't even know about that God's going to be up to. We know for certain that God is working. He's on the move. He's not stopping. So what do you want to see God do? Personally, you know what I want to see? This was an easy list for me. Like, like I couldn't stop. I think actually I'm going to get pulled off the stage because I'm going to go over because I could go on and on and on and on with this portion right here. What do I want to see God do? I want to, I want to tell, just seriously, if I read something, I just want you to resonate back and go, preach it, whatever you want to do. Just let me know that this is on your heart, okay? Don't throw anything, but anything else is fine. You know what I want to see? I want to see hundreds and hundreds of people falling in love with him for the first time in K2. And you know what? I, 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 was, I was typing this. I'm like, thousands and thousands, hundreds and hundreds. I don't know. I went back and forth. Hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands. I don't know. How about millions? That's, that's just crazy talk. But I want to see lots of people falling in love with Jesus Christ for the first time. I want to see men and women walking hardcore in spiritual relationships, spiritual adventure with God. That's what I want. I, I, want to see, I want to see communities in this area, and, and, and I want to see this around the world, but specifically right here, I want to see communities in this area being moved because people are colliding with the God of the universe that is smitten with them. Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. <laughs> I want to see a major movement of God in the southern portion of this valley. I really do. And, and not that it's already happening, but I want, I want to be a part of that. And, and I want to obey, and I want to go do what he's asking us to do. And right now, God is saying, go. We're going to go. I don't know when we're going to go. We're going. We're going to be a part of that because people need him. Is any of this resonating? Is it, are you warming up to this? Because the list goes on and on and on. I want to see those things happen. I want to see my little girls grow up into these little Sheena God warriors, you know, and just tear apart the kingdom. That's what I want to see. I want to see that. Now, listen, I can't imagine for a second that I'm dreaming bigger than God. Seriously, come on. Can I dream bigger than God? I don't think so. I can't think so. My, my, my eyesight is so limited. My experience is so few. I just, I, I don't know what's imagining, uh, that God is imagining in his heart and his, in his eye that he knows about that's happening, that he has plans for. And if that's the best I can do with a blank check, can you imagine what God has in store? I can't. I can't. My imagination isn't deep enough. It's, it, it, I don't have a vast experience to be able to draw. But I know it's on God's heart. I know that, that what I can tell you is that he's on the move right here in K2. I know. I hear the stories. Maybe you hear them too. I, I know that God's on the move here in the valley. I know. I hear the stories. I know that God is on the move in the nation. I know that God is on the move in the world. I found this stat last night, and I love it. I love it. Right now in the world. I did a lot of math, a lot of math to boil it down to this. I mean, seriously, it took me like 30 minutes. So every second, somebody in the world falls in love with Jesus Christ. Every three seconds alone in Africa. Every 30 minutes, 600 people in Africa give their lives to Christ. Is God on the move? Yeah. Yeah. And I got to tell you, that we as his people, as his church, we need to be ready. Because if he's dreaming, 
If he is moving, if he is already victorious, which is what the Bible says, then, then oh, you're gonna be, you need to be ready. Because he is going to be building his church, his scripture says, through you and through me. And when you and I say, here I am, God, send me. I got to tell you, that is the beginning of what we like to refer to here at K2 as thrill ride theology. That there's nothing, nothing else like it than the God of the universe colliding with my life. Changes me forever. There's no other ride like it. The other side of this reality, though, is this. It ain't easy. What you'll never get from me is, woo, woo, it's just always good. It's just always good, man. There's no downside. There is a downside to following Christ. The downside is I have to lose my life, is what the scripture says, is that it cost me a great deal. It cost me getting out of the way so God can. And I'm telling you, in the last four years here at K2, it's been raw for me at times. Beth and I, when we came here, we gave up a lot to come here. And, and I have to tell you, don't look at me and go, wow, wow, what a great spiritual guy. We actually came kicking and screaming. There was like heel marks in the pavement behind my body. And we came. <laughs> and for the last four years, it's been really difficult. I don't know if you feel that way, but there are times, even this past year, I feel like thrown in the towel. I feel like ditching it. I'm like, man, I'm done. Done. It's so hard. It is so hard. I feel like giving up and, and backing out and just, just trading it all in. But I have to tell you, the amount that I have tasted from God and what I've seen him do is the thing that keeps me going. It is totally worth it. I mean, you know what it's like when you get to, when you get to the, uh, the roller coaster. <laughs> you're standing in your line. You're like, okay, I think I'm going to back out. I'm going to back out. No, I'm not going to back out. I'm going to back out. I'm not going. I definitely will not go twice. You know, and you get on and finally you're like, whoa, that was the best. Except now I'm going to throw up, right? <laughs> and it's hard. That's thrill ride theology. It is, it is the coolest deal in the world, but it's the hardest. So the question is that I want to ra- wrestle with, the, I almost said wrestle. It's like I'm already going south. Uh, the question I want to <laughs> wrestle with this morning is this. When God calls us to move, are you and I going to be ready? Are you ready to engage what he's doing? Today we're entitling this, this, first, this first message out of six of, of, of the series, Be Strong and Courageous. And we're lifting that straight out of Joshua chapter 1. And that's where I want to go. If you've got your Bible, flip it open. If not, check out the screen here. In fact, I, I always encourage you every single week, and again, I want to I do that, is to grab your program and, and, and a pen. Because I don't want you to leave this conversation without continuing it this week. I want you to have this conversation with God. It's no good if we just come and fill up and nothing happens. Like, I want you to continue this conversation this week. So I want to give you a few, few little uh, steering points as we go through this so that you can articulate this back to God and struggle with it. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. We're just going to read it and we're going to go back and kind of unpack. Here it is, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, verse 2. This is what he said. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Get ready to move. Get ready because I'm about ready to do something. Pay attention. This is huge. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about ready to give them to the Israelites. Verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert 
to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, to all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And here it is. Here's the first step. If we were to get ready for God, here's the, the instruction, the first step that he gives to Joshua. He says this. That's so compelling in verse 6 here. He says, be strong and courageous. Be strong, Joshua, and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Joshua, get ready. God is talking to me. He said, get ready. I'm about ready to move. I'm going to do something, and it's going to require from you that you be strong, that you be courageous. That is the first step in knowing if we are ready or not to engage God when he's on the, route, on the move, to be strong, to be courageous. But herein kind of lies the question. Okay, when God is asking me to do something really insane, when he's asking me to step beyond my comfort zone, my chart, you know, that little needle that pegs out where I start kind of getting weak in the knees, beyond my faith, how do I just be strong and be courageous? How, how do you do that? Because I think Joshua was probably asking the same question. So, God, you're asking me to invade another country, okay? We haven't done that for a long time. So you're asking me to invade another country, and I'm just supposed to be strong and courageous. I'll work on that. It's like when you're saying to somebody, man, I'm just, I'm really sad, I'm really depressed. And somebody goes, don't be. Gosh, I hadn't thought of that. Have you considered writing a book? Or at least a pamphlet, something, that I can retain that information. You know, I'm scared. I'm really scared. You shouldn't be. Don't, here, don't be scared. Wow. Well, fortunately, as we're going to unpack this a little bit, we're going to see some cues here that Joshua knew. Three things that, that God told Joshua that led to this strength and this courage. So by the time we get around to verse 6 here, that's, when, that's when, when God says to Joshua, be strong, be courageous. He didn't say that in verse 1. He said it in verse 6 because the first five verses... Set it up for Joshua. So by the time he gets to verse 6, God says, be strong, be courageous. And Joshua goes, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And here it is. If I'm going to be strong, if we as K2 are going to be strong and courageous, it has everything to do with his plan. If you're taking notes, write down his plan. It has everything to do with his plan. God's plan. So let me just cover a little bit of this, the, the background history here really quick so we can kind of set it up. Last week, Dave talked about um, the Israelites crossing the Red Sea and the, the miracle. It's just unbelievable and that Moses led them out of Egypt and they're being pursued by Pharaoh's army. And right at the last second, don't you love that? They're within eyesight. They step into the Red Sea. It just opens up and they're across and, and Pharaoh's army gets, gets swallowed up and the miraculous happens. I don't know why, but it took them two years <laughs> to reach Cana. It, there, it, it's heavily debated. Uh, uh, you know, it, should it take five days or nine? But it should definitely not take two years. But two years later, they reached the border 
after crossing the desert, they reach the border of Cana, the promised land. And when they reach it, Moses picks one man from every single tribe, 12 guys. He picks them all and goes, listen, here's what I want. I want you guys, you 12 dudes, to go into the promised land for 40 days, report back after 40 days what you see. Go for it. And the Israelites waited. The 12 spies cross into the promised land, and oh, they see great stuff. It's an amazing land. It's phenomenal. You want to talk about great food? It's there. You want to talk about great, healthy land and dirt, and it's fertile? It's there. It's all there. But then they come back, and 10, 10 of the spies go, no way. It's not going to happen. No way. No, 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 no. We can't even discuss it. We saw these guys are like WWF wrestlers. That was the message translation. And we're like grasshoppers, and they're going to crush us. We can't do it. You know what's better than the promised land? The desert. The desert's good. It's good. It's all good. No one's out here. See, we're by ourselves. No one wants to be here. Let's just stay here. It's safe. It's easier. Two of the guys, Joshua and Caleb, they come back. What do they say? Have you read the story? What do they say? We're going. We're going. Why? Because we serve a God that's going. We have a God that's strong and powerful. We can take these guys. Let's go. What's everyone else say? <laughs> you go. We'll be back at the smorgasbord, right? And they, you know, and they stay in the desert. Because of their unfaithfulness, God, God disciplines them. They wander in the desert for 40 years. They spend a year out there for every single day that those spies were in the promised land. They spend a year wandering and wandering until a whole generation of faithless people died off. That's quite a discipline. And the only two guys that are left is Joshua and Caleb. And after 40 years, they find themselves making tons of circles and back on the border. Here they are, back on the Jordan River, back looking at the promised land. And Joshua and God have this conversation here in chapter 1. And God says to Joshua, be strong. <laughs> Joshua, be courageous. I'm, I'm about ready to hatch this incredible plan. Let me just tell you about it. This plan is going to be amazing. I'm about ready to move. I'm on the move. And here's what's going down. Here's the plan that I have. Check this out in verse 2 on the screen here. God's plan is twofold. He says this in verse 2. He says, get ready. Here's the first part of the plan. To cross the Jordan River. Because you're going to go into this land. I'm going to give you the land. You're going to cross the Jordan River to the Israelites. And I'm going to give the land to the Israelites. Verse 3. Here's the second part of the plan. I will give you every place that you set your foot. You walk on it, Joshua, it's yours. And then he tells, he tells what the land is. He got, it's almost like God is dreaming here a little bit. He's like, okay, let me just tell you about how cool this deal is. All the way from the desert, all the way to Lebanon. You see the sea over here? It's yours. All the way to the Hittite country, everything. Everything in between from the river, the Euphrates, all of that. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. What's the plan? Cross the river. Okay, Joshua, are you looking at me? Listen. You're going to cross the river, crossing the river. Joshua, he's, okay, and cross the river. Second part of the plan, walk on the land, and everywhere you walk, it's yours, walking. I'm crossing and I'm walking. That's the plan. It was a very explicit plan. But notice whose plan it is here. It's not Joshua's plan. It's God's plan. It's not the Israelites' plan. It's God's plan. See, the Israelites came up with their planning 40 years earlier. How'd it go? Not too well. 
Their plan was tick, you know, tuck your tail and run. And so they spent the rest of their lives paying for that plan, wandering and finally dying. And now the Israelites are back here for the second time, and God is saying, this is my way. This is my move. I've got a plan. It's unbelievable, and it's yours. And I can only imagine, the scripture doesn't say this, but I can only imagine how Joshua was feeling at this time. How would you feel? I mean, God has to tell Joshua, be strong and courageous. So how is Joshua feeling? He's probably got a lot of fear. The last time they were there, they paid dearly for their next step. And the real question is, are they going to let God be God or not? Are the Israelites going to play God again or not? Is it his plan? Is it he the one that's in control? Or are they going to short-circuit the deal? Man, as I reflect on this, i, I got to just tell you, I do not have this down. You know how I often uh, follow God's plan? I, I rationalize his plan, and then I pick and choose what I like. Or I just scrap his plan altogether and just pretend like, la, 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 didn't hear, and I come up with my own plan. But then I do the really, really religious thing, and I go, God, man, I've really thought about this. Thanks for giving me wisdom. Your scripture says you give me wisdom. Thank you. God, would you come into my plan? Does anyone do that here? Because I struggled through Thank you. I struggled through this. I struggle with who's really in control here? Who's the one that really has a plan for my life? Which plan is actually better? Will I actually really follow God's plan or do I rationalize it until it actually is more comfortable, a little more palatable for me? So Joshua is standing here, scared. And, and maybe you're standing here, scared in your life. I, I don't see, I, we come in with so many different stories into this place, into this white warehouse today. And I can only imagine that there's some of you, maybe it's you here today, they're feeling like you have this nuclear stress on your heart right now. Maybe you're standing at this crossroads and maybe things are falling apart desperately in your marriage or in a relationship or in your family or with your son, daughter, whatever it might be. And you're trying desperately to hold it all together and you're hatching a plan wherever you can find one. Or, or maybe you're facing your career change. I've talked to many of you in here and this actually is a, this is a common story right now. That you're at a, a crossroads of a career change and you're, you're wanting a plan. And maybe God isn't acting fast enough, so you'll hatch one. You'll come up with one. That's a good plan. And maybe you're at the crossroads of something great happening, two fantastic choices, and hoping that you'll make the best decision possible. But God's word, in the midst of all this uncertainty, he says here in Joshua chapter 1, he says, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong. Why? Because I've got a plan. This plan is phenomenal. And it has your best interest in mind. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, very probably familiar to you as well, is Jeremiah 29, 11. Here's what it says. God speaking. For I know the plans. See, God, God doesn't turn the chapters of our, our life and just turn the pages of our life and go, did not see that coming. Did not know your wife was going to say that. Did not know your boss would give you that assignment. Did not know that that car was coming out of nowhere. Did not know that this disease was on the horizon. Didn't know that you would feel this way. See, that's not how God operates. He goes, I know the plans that you have. No, the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. I designed those plans. They're, they're my plans. They're not your plans. They're mine. I'm the one on the move, God says. I'm the one that, that, that hatches the ideas. I'm the one that's doing the moving. And they're my plans for you. 
And here that, here's what he says, declares the Lord. He says, plans, oh, and this is the best part of the verse, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And I feel like I just got a, a hug. I feel like I was just held by my Savior, by God. Saying, my plans for you, my plans are for you. They're, they're, they're so good. I've worked on these plans even before you were around, even before you were an idea. I designed these plans for you. They're yours. And the question I have for myself when I read this is, do I believe that that's true? Because honestly, sometimes I think the plans that God designs for me, I could do better. And so I spent a lot of time designing my own plans. And I spent a lot of time wandering in the desert because I feel like I have better wisdom than he does. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you scratch and you scheme and you claw and you just you try to hold it all together and strategize your way. In the midst of it all, God is saying, would you, would you trust me? Would you trust me? Would you believe that my plans are the best for you? Because I feel like God tells me, because I'm, I'm God and Andy Marshall, you're not. Can we agree on that? That I'm the one in charge. That I'm the one in control. See, it's real hard to take that phrase, be strong and courageous, if they're my plans. Because I'm the first one to tell you, I don't think I've thought through my plans very well, even though I've thought through them. <laughs> right? Because my, my courage, when it's on my own plans, is about a half inch deep. And that's really deep. <laughs> my courage, my strength falls through when it's my plans. Because I'm not God. Joshua can't see the future. He doesn't know what lies on the other side. And God lets him in. He goes, dude, walk across the river, cross the river. And then my plans are, you get it all. You get it all. Was it going to be easy? No, there was going to be warfare. Were they just going to be able to just, without any bloodshed? No, there was going to be bloodshed. It was going to be hard. But the promise is, Joshua, you get it. Because I made promises long ago. These are my plans. My plans are good. My plans are just. My plans will give you hope. My plans give you a future. Joshua, will you step out in faith? Be strong. Be courageous. Cross the river. Take the land. When God's ready to move, you want to be strong, you want to be courageous, it starts with understanding his plan. How do I know his plan? Well, let's get there. Let's, let's start to understand that a little bit more because there's a second portion that he reveals to Joshua here. It's in uh, verse 5. You can see it on the screen here. This conversation continues. He says, not only is it my plan for you that I've got, but, but I've got something else that I'm going to give you. Verse 5. No one, Joshua, no one will be able to stand up against you. Who? No, no one will stand against you. Well, is there a group of people over here that's pretty strong? I heard they were like, you know, huge guys. No one will stand against you, Joshua. For how long, God? For how long will that last? All the days of your life, Joshua. No one will stand against you for your life. That's my plan for you. And then he, he gives Joshua the greatest gift of all. And here's the second thing 
that bolsters Joshua's strength and courage. Here's what he says. I give you my presence. Not only do I give you my plan, and it's my plan, it's not your plan. I give you, Joshua, my presence. He goes on in verse 5 and he says this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, never leaving you, never forsaking you. And that's a huge promise. Because, again, I don't know how Joshua was feeling at this moment, but I can only imagine. He spent 40 years being Moses' aide, 40 years being the number two guy, 40 years kind of being a part of team, never being the number one guy, always being number two in the background. And now suddenly he's being thrust into being the leaders of leaders because Moses has died. Moses died. And Joshua goes, you're the, or God says, Joshua, you're the man. And, and, and this defies, this defies all the great stories. I mean, when's the last time you went to Batman and it was all about Robin? Robin's got cut out of the last couple movies. They don't even cast him anymore. The guy in tights doesn't make it. He's gone. He's the sidekick. And here's Joshua sitting here. Number two guy. It's not a very good, it's not a very good position. And I wonder if the Israelites are saying, man, I, uh, can we put our faith in this guy? Can we put our faith in this number two dude? You know, talking about him when they're gardening behind their tents at night. There goes Joshua. I don't know if we can trust him. Are we hosed? Should we just take over now? What should we do? Is this guy a good leader? And I, I wonder if Joshua has the same response. God, do I have what it takes? Can I do this? And God's response is, it's not who you are, Joshua. It's not who you are. It's who I am. I was with Moses. I'll be with you. I will never leave you, Joshua. I'm not going to forsake you. In verse 5, he says, I'm not going to take off on you. I'm not going to disown you. I will stand for you. Joshua, you're my man. Be strong. Be courageous. Follow my lead. Get ready to move, Joshua. Why? Because I'm going with you. I'm not just giving you the plan and then you take off. I'm giving you the plan. And guess what? We're going together. We are going together. You're not alone, Joshua. And here's the irony. Do you know what Joshua's name means? God saves. That's his name. And so when people were talking about, man, this number two guy, oh yeah, you know, God saves back there watering the camels. I don't even know if he can do it. You know? Oh, God saves is in a meeting. God saves. That's what his name means. Joshua reminding people of God's faithfulness. Psalm 48, verse 14 says this, For God is our God, for this is our God, forever and ever. He will be our guide. How long? To the end. I don't know if you've ever hired a guide for anything. I've hired a lot of them in my life, from mountaineering to, to climbing, from, from scuba diving. You have a guide when you scuba dive, right? From... Uh, white water rafting and bungee jumping. And I love to explore all these things, but I would never do it the first time on my own. To do it the first time on my own would be too dangerous. There's too much at stake. I could lose my life so easily. The irony, though, is that we, we like to live our own lives, going through our lives on our own strength and our own courage. But the reality is, everything's new territory. You've never been here today. You will never encounter what you've encountered this afternoon in the same way, exactly the same way as you have before. Every portion, every step of life is brand new. And God says, you don't need to be alone on it. Be strong, courageous. You have my plan. You have my presence. And if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling abandoned, if you're staring down difficulties that are literally just scaring the life out of you, wondering how I'm going to do it, the answer is, God goes with you. Psalm 48, till the end. I don't know about that, how you feel about that, but whew, I just felt like I got another hug. <laughs> Seriously, the presence of God 
going with me into new territory. Here's the third area, and I've got I to wrap it up here. God says to Joshua, you've got my plan, you've got my, my presence, but that's not it. I'm going to give you my provision. And this is almost like a summary of the whole entire passage here. My plan is for your life. My presence is, is for you. My, my provision is lavished upon you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Here's the phrase. Be strong and courageous, Joshua, because, and this is very key right here, you will be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. But before you pause on the you will too long, he continues on the verse, he goes, because why? Because I swore to their forefathers to give it to them. You will, Joshua, because I did. And if you look at the whole, whole passage here, six, six times, oh, uh, the, uh, the six verses rather, three times previous to this, this is what he says here in verse three, he goes, I will give you, I will, I'll give you the land. In verse five, he says, I'll never leave you. I will never leave you. Verse five again, I will never forsake you. I will, I will, I will. Why? So that you will. Is my provision for you. It's not, Joshua, again, it's nothing you're doing. It's nothing that, that, that you, can, you hatched on your own. It's not your plan. It's not your presence. It's my presence. It's my provision. I'm doing it all. I'm doing all the work. You be strong and courageous because I'm doing it for you. I carry out the plan. I do this. I am so that you can be. I am so that you are able. That is the whole definition of grace. Is, is, is that God is doing his work in me and it's nothing I deserve, nothing I'm entitled to. It's everything that he's done. That's all about the cross, everything that Jesus did on the cross for you and me. God is doing the saving, not me. The Apostle Paul takes this ball. It's almost like it's hiked to the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He takes his ball in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, and he runs with it. He's running hard, and here's what he says in, in verse 16 of Ephesians 3. He says, I pray that out of the glorious riches, that's a great phrase, out of the glorious riches, meaning the vast resources without measure, <laughs> without any limit, the, 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 the glorious riches, I pray that he may, what's the word? Strengthen. Oh, so God's provisions, out of all his provisions, his resources, out of everything, all his grace, everything that he is, everything that encompasses God, he will strengthen. I pray that he may strengthen you with the power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. Again, strengthened. Inner, anybody want to be strengthened in their inner being? Anybody want a dose of that? I want that. I want to be strengthened. Today, I want to leave here not on Andy Marshall's power. I want to leave here on the power of Jesus Christ in me through his Holy Spirit, strengthening my inner spirit, my inner being, verse 17, so that, and here it is, Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Now, that's very interesting on the very end there. So how do I tap into this glorious riches, this, this power, this strengthening in my inner being that Christ dwells in me through faith, through faith? That God is everything that I'm not, that he has everything that I need, that this grace that he offers is everything that sustains me, that that's the real power behind being strong and courageous. And Paul continues in 2 Timothy 2.1. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So as Joshua stood on the bank <laughs> and looked across, He saw new territory. And God tells him about his plan. Gosh, it's going to be great. 
It's going to be amazing. And you're not going alone, Joshua. And I'm going to give you everything possible for victory. It's yours. It's my strength, not yours. It's my courage, not yours. I wanted this illustration to, to stick with you today. And so I invited a friend to come and join me. So, sweetie, come out here. Who are you? Lady Joy Marshall. Do you belong to me? Yes. I thought so. I recognized you. Are you um, my first, second, or third? Second. Second. You're in the middle. And you just had a birthday, and how old are you? Six years old. Are you pretty strong? Yeah. Yeah, how much you weigh now? 48 pounds. She weighs 48 pounds. I wish I weighed 48 pounds. I'm like 49, maybe 50, a little bit bigger. You're pretty strong, though. We wrestle all the time together, and uh, she can normally take me. That's only happened within the last year. I think when you're 46, I could take you, but now 48, you're pretty big. You want to do something for me? Hey, Bailey? I need you to lift that over your head. I believe in you. Go ahead, honey. Go ahead. Honey, I really, really want you to try. Try. Make me proud. Go ahead. Come on. Don't let me down here. You're pretty strong, but you can't do it, can you? No. What do you think we could do to actually make this work? You could lift it out with me. Let's do it. On the count of three. You ready? Over your head. One, two, three. Go, 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 go. Push, 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 push. You got to give it up for this little dude. <laughs> Paul says in Hebrews, you and I are to approach the throne of grace. Isn't that beautiful? He goes, approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's a beautiful picture because the more I understand about who I am as a daddy, the more I understand about who God is to me as my daddy. Listen, today, there's a lot of stories in here. Some of you don't feel courageous. Some of you don't feel strong. Some of you have been hatching your own plans and living your life on your own flowchart and <laughs> chasing your own desires and, and just, just kind of maybe inviting God into it. And I want to challenge you today. The part of maybe what God is asking you to do is to give up control for the very first time. To surrender. To say, God, you are God and I am not. It's going to be your plan for my life. God is on the move. He already has a plan. See, the cool thing is, is that plan is enacted through you. Being strong and courageous that God has the best plan for you in mind. And sometimes in the middle of the life, it doesn't seem like that, does it? Because I can't see beyond the next page. I have a difficulty understanding what the next chapter is. But don't forget Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, my plans for you, oh, they're the best that you can ever imagine. My plans are designed to give you hope. Do you need hope today? God's plan is designed for that. My plan is designed to give you future. Do you, do you, are you scared about your future? 
God says, I'll give that to you. That's what the plan is I have for you. And some of us need to be reminded today that it's through the presence of God, that you're not alone. It's easy to be in a crowd like this and in a large church and just living in communities and working in large corporations or just whatever and feel alone. And God says, you're not alone. You don't go by yourself. I go with you. And I give you everything, everything possible for you to be successful. And the challenge I want to leave you with this today, and band, uh, the band is going to come up here and lead us in worship. And as they do, the last thing I want to challenge you with is this. Joshua still had to cross the river, didn't he? His feet still had to move. He had to do it. He had to take that first step. I don't know if you've ever skydived or jumped out of a, a plane or bungee jumped or done anything like that. But there's a moment in time where you, you go, yeah, I know what's going to happen is that I'm going to pull that ripcord and the parachute's going to come out, right? And I, I can say that when I'm on the ground. Do you know when I actually believe that? When it works. And some of us in here need to jump today because that's real faith. See, I can talk about it all day long. Oh, I believe in you, God. I believe in you. Yeah, I'll be strong and courageous. I will never know that until I actually experience it. By surrendering my plan, by embracing his presence and spending time falling in love with him. And maybe for the very first time today saying, God, I need you. And then by engaging every possible resource that he gives. Every possible blessing, every possible piece of forgiveness that I need. Every leading, every truth, every promise. The song we're going to sing is this, Yahweh, Yahweh, glory, great is your glory. When you go before me, Yahweh, Yahweh, your ways are lovely. You are so high above me, Yahweh. Be strong, be courageous. I will so that you will. Let's worship. Hey, before we...